This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. This is the morning run. I'm Melissa Idris with Julian Ng, and it's now 9:35 a.m. Time for the SNM show. This is the show, of course, where we rant about what's working in markets and what's not. Um, joining us on the rant today is James Hay, founder of Penguin Fund. Welcome, James. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Singapore is going to be the topic of our rant this morning. Uh, and we're going to be talking about Singapore and the high cost of living there and the implications for investing in, in stocks uh, and markets. So let, let's talk about where you stand on Singapore, first of all. Like, let's lay all our cards on the table. Okay. So you, I, I saw your latest newsletter and you have about uh, 15% weighted in Singapore. Malaysia, Indonesia, Thailand. Malaysia is, uh, and Indonesia are high at about over 30% and Thai about 20-odd percent. So Singapore is the lowest at 15%. Um, yes, yeah, so I, think, I think we find the best value um, outside of Singapore. Um, and actually our largest holding in Singapore is, or, or just about our largest holding in Singapore, is Dairy Farm, which is really a pan-Asia retailer. Uh, which is, uh, you'll know it from Giants and Cold Storage and Guardian, etc. here. Um, so effectively, it, it's under Singapore because it's listed in Singapore, but it's not really a Singaporean company. Mm-hmm. Um, I should put my cards on the table and say that actually uh, my company, Pangolin Investment Management, is a Singaporean company. Okay. Um, it's registered and regulated by the Monetary Authority of Singapore. Um, so okay, so we're very happy doing business down there, but, <laughs> but life is expensive. So, so why, why don't you like Singaporean markets? Why are you more weighted in Malaysia and Indonesia and Thailand? Well, you know I'm a, I'm a stock picker, so it's, not, it's never a market thing. Um, and actually, I'd never want to bet against Singapore. I mean, it is such a fantastically run place. But we can buy, I think, um, better value uh, companies outside of Singapore than we can inside of Singapore. Um, we've recently just sold a property company in Singapore. It's property and construction. It's very cheap, but it's just not doing anything. And, 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 and I'm not sure what the outlook is. So um, we felt we could put the money um, to better use in consumer stocks outside of Singapore just now. And th- talking about consumer stocks and uh, also acknowledging the fact that you're a very long-term person um, and fund, you've said that many times before, but we can't ignore uh, some of the currency effects, right? If you look at year-to-date returns, uh, Malaysia and Singapore have done quite uh, okay uh, in US dollar terms, but not in local currency terms. And I guess this currency thing is still going to be on, a, on the top of our minds. In particular, when you own consumer stocks, that's going to be affected. Uh, because they are selling locally but importing their costs. Yeah, I mean, so we've had a bit of respite this year um, from what was a horrible year um, for Asian currencies last year, especially the the ringgit we all know about and and the rupiah as well. Um, And it is hard if you import something in dollars and need to sell it in local currency. You can't just keep increasing the prices because the locals won't buy it. Um, so your margins get squeezed. Yes, it's a problem. So how how is this going to play out over the long term? Um, Over the long term, currencies move up and down, um, and the better run companies will manage those fluctuations better than the others. And and I I mean, it's a company I always talk about is Padini in Malaysia. Um, Padini imports everything it sells, nearly everything it sells. Um, but people still go to, their, go to their stores, they go to brands outlets and, and, and buy their clothes. Because if you buy enough and if you buy enough good stuff that people actually want to buy and you can manage things properly, you manage your suppliers properly, um, you, you can still sell at a margin. So we have, we have um, a guest that comes on, uh, Dr. Suresh Ramanathan. He is an independent FX strategist. And he said 
that the ringgit would weaken about a buck a decade, right? In he what? hasn't been wrong. Historically, he's been true. Yeah. It's been true, right? He's probably yeah. right. And I'd never bet against the Singapore dollar. <laughs> yeah. and I'd never even bet against Singapore property market, even though it's been horrible for the last few years. But um, what, what would this kind... Assuming this kind of scenario, what would it mean for a, stocks a buck like a decade, a, bu- a buck a decade, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's okay, because good companies will grow by more than that depreciation, right? Bad companies won't. Average companies won't. Um, they'll, they'll do about the same. But good companies will grow by more than that. So you will still make money against a depreciating currency. Okay, and I'm he s- might be wrong, of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, everyone stands to be, to be wrong once in a while. But okay, so I'm, tr- I'm still trying to wrap my mind around um, Singapore and the, the companies listed there. So do you, do you not see value in Singapore, the, the, listed, the stocks in Singapore? Or do you just see that they're not growing at the same rate as uh, the region? Currently, they're not growing at the same rate as the region. Okay. And I, I think, why is that? I think, I think Sing- Singapore's got very expensive. It's got very expensive for the people who live there. It's got, got expensive as, as a place to do business. Um, but it, ha- it, is, it is very much a service-based economy now. Um, and services add a lot more value. Um, so um, it's, it's rather like Switzerland is, is a service-based economy. Um, people will still pay more. Um, It's as value-added. We're in Singapore. We operate in Singapore. It's expensive to operate in Singapore. But I I still think you get the value for the money. But if you want to manufacture T-shirts, you know, forget it. Singapore is not the place. How much did you spend on a burger in Switzerland again? Yeah, I was in Switzerland the other week, and I I had a burger in my hotel, um, and it was 44 Swiss francs, which is about 50 US, which is 200 ringgit. 200 ringgit. Uh, It was a big burger. I didn't finish it. Most Malaysians would finish it easily and order another one, but I didn't. I I would put it in my handbag for 44 Swiss francs. I didn't even bunkers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think a lot of Malaysians, when they go to Singapore and uh, they look at a cup of Starbucks or, or uh, as they call uh, coffee bean is very famous over there, um, they, they do that dollar for dollar thing. And apparently it's cheap. Uh, a cup of coffee is cheap. In dollar Singapore. for dollar is cheap. Yeah. Dollar for dollar is cheap, but if you multiply by three, it's not. Of course you do, right? but, but then you're uh, over there, there are income effects as well. The, you earn in, so it makes sense what you say, that yeah. people get around the kind of high yeah. pricing, high cost. I think, I, think, I think part of the problem in Singapore is, is that the, the financial district um, is so expensive. Um, and for a lot of people who don't live in that area, um, who live maybe out in Jurong or some, some Barwang or whatever, their incomes haven't really been rising over the last few years. Um, and effectively, that, that city centre that, that we, all we fund managers and tourists know is kind of too expensive for them to go to. Um, now, there are, there are lots of people in Malaysia who perhaps live in, I don't know, um, Taiping or somewhere, who would find Kuala Lumpur incredibly expensive. <laughs> but it's quite a long way away. If you're in Singapore, the financial district is not a long way away. Um, you can speak to a taxi driver and say, you go to the Grand Prix in Singapore. You go, no way, I can't afford it. Not a chance to yeah. get so much money. They can't afford to go to their own city um, in, in many cases. Um, but the government's been quite responsive. I mean, they've built a lot more houses. Um, they, they, they've made it very hard um, for Singaporean companies to import more workers, etc. Yeah, you have a great story in your newsletter about a taxi driver, Mr. Tan, um, how he had a, you know, a great uh, upbringing. He was from a really kind of well-to-do family, but then kind of went into, uh, it got too expensive and he started to drive a taxi. The crisis so, yeah, happened. Yeah. This, this, is, this is a family friend of my colleague in Singapore. We've only got one Singaporean in the office. Um, anyway, <laughs> so a, a family friend, I think, of her, of, her, of her father, who worked in a bank, um, 
lost his job in 2008, couldn't find another job in a, in a bank. Now, in Europe, he'd just be an unemployed banker picking up uh, the doll. In Asia, you can't do that. You have to, do, you have to work. And this is why Asia is such a great story. Um, you can't be un- unproductive. So he had to find a job to feed his family. He became a taxi driver. Um, the problem he has now is he earns just enough to make him too rich to qualify for subsidies. So his kids don't get help with university, etc. Um, but he's effectively kind of too poor to send them to university. I mean, he'll do it because, um, like so many Asians, they'll just work all the hours in the day and so will his, so will his wife. Um, but, but there is that middle-income trap. Everybody's always helping the poor, but it's harder for the people in the middle. And, and it's not just here. You go to the UK, people say the same thing. It's Malaysia, Singapore, the world all over. Yeah. And of course, by all, um, by all accounts, Singapore is a developed market, actually, uh, compared to, let's say, Malaysia, Indonesia, or Thailand. Those are in emerging markets. Uh, I'm just wondering if uh, the emerging governments have uh, a way of helping people get out of that kind of uh, middle-income trap. Because that, that's important for stocks as well, right? Because uh, that, that would determine how much they can spend. Yeah, so it all comes down to the politics. Yeah. And how, how, how well a country develops always comes down to the politics. Um, and I, I, I think a lot of countries in the region, not just the region, in the world, could, could just follow Singapore's example and just look at what Singapore's done um, and stop protecting industries that don't work. Stop all the nonsense. Is it is it really the best model, James? I mean, there are trade offs. Okay, so yep, it's a well run government. Yep, it's a well run country. Yeah. Um, everything's sufficient, but there are there are trade offs. It's it's unequal when it comes to you look at the income inequality. You look at the cost of living. All that is sky high. Um, and I wonder whether the trade off is worth it. We we got a lot of response to this newsletter, actually, <laughs> saying that Singapore's well, Mal- hard. Malaysians I I, responding to this, yeah, or no, Singaporeans, well, no, people in Singapore in particular, uh, but also elsewhere. But mainly in and and I thought boring old Singapore. This could be a dull newsletter, but actually we had a, an awful lot of interest in it. Um, and and a lot of you know, a lot of it was yeah this is true I've got friends who live, live now live in Malaysia they can't afford to live in Singapore they want a house you know, they'll, they'll put up four hours of crossing the causeway backwards and forwards every day because they, it, it's affordable but others were saying come on this is nonsense look at what we've got in Singapore we can walk around we can walk around at, at night we're not going to get mugged. Um, we're I so rich. We my, go over... I don't hug my handbag when yeah. I'm in Singapore. We go overseas. We're rich, right? We've got everything. The government looks after us. It, it's a clean, safe place to live. We've got great education, great public facilities. So, so, so the, a lot of people agreed with us and said, yes, yeah, Singapore's got too expensive. They should do something about it. And others said, you know, you get what you pay for. I think it's the rich that are saying that, like that this is an okay place. But uh, as as we know, it's uh, the most inequal, one of the most inequal countries in the world from that's an income viewpoint. And there is that great mass of people who can't afford things. That, that, that's right. Yeah. But uh, and, I and would that, say that, that might be good for Malaysia. Yeah, I mean Malaysia is pretty unequal as well. I mean I don't know what the numbers are. Um, I, I think the Singaporean, Singaporean government has responded to a large extent. They listened to what the people were saying about immigration. They listened to what they said about housing. They built a lot more HDB. They've deliberately um, um, tamped down the local housing market. House prices are off about nine and a half percent over the last last few years. Um, so they're deliberately holding it down, trying to make it more more affordable. And if you saw the last election in Singapore last year, they got a, a, a much larger share of the vote and a much larger majority. So, you know, it's, it's doing okay. Let's just kind of get down into how you view Singapore and what how that's. Um, you know uh, how you are weighted in Singapore. So you're not you're not weighted heavily in Singapore because you see value in other markets. But what about the long term cost substitution that's happening in Singapore, where Singaporeans perhaps go to um, Johor, for instance, for you know 
uh, cheaper cheaper houses, for instance. Yeah. So so that is happening, and a lot of lot of Singaporeans are now living in Johor, and they put up with the with 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 the travel every day. I mean, of course, so many. Ch- ch- uh, people from Malaysia live in Johor and also go to Singapore and back every day. But but Singaporeans are buying properties um, in Johor. Not as many as perhaps I think a lot of the property developers hoped, but it is a large number. Uh, as usual, they, they always build too many too quickly. Um, but yes, it, it is happening. They need to get the causeway and the second crossing sorted out. In February this year, I was in Singapore and I drove to Johor on a Saturday morning and it was, it was pretty early and I went over the second crossing and the queue was absolutely horrible. Um, of course, having been in Malaysia a long time, I... Uh, Potong Jalan. Very well All the Singaporeans were very orderly and just queued up. So, so, so I cut, How I, Malaysian I, yeah, of you? I took over, I, I passed a, you know, 100 cars and went in at it's number It's called three the inefficient market and you exploited yeah, it. Yeah, that, 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 that's correct. But, <laughs> but you think these guys are coming to Malaysia to shop. Why are we making them queue? Right? For me, that makes no sense. Right? Get that sorted out. I mean, for, for me, that, that, that is nonsense. So how do you position from an investment viewpoint for this kind of thing? Now, I know that you have a consumer focus, but you know, what about things like the high-speed rail? Uh, do you want to get in on the game as far as those are concerned? Well, I don't know how you get in on the game, frankly. First of all, it's not going to happen as quickly as we thought. Many, it's, already, yes. it's already been put back, mm-hmm. right? There are problems with the land and everything else. And, and who's going to build it? I mean, you, you, can buy, you can buy various property companies, or sorry, various, various construction companies in the hope you pick the right one. Um, if it gets built, it will add to the economy, without doubt. Um, and, and the people building it will buy more burgers, they will buy more t-shirts, they will, um, their wives will wear more lipstick, etc. So for me, it <laughs> always comes down to the consumer stocks. If there's economic growth, people spend more money, and, and they buy basic goods, right? And then they start buying luxury goods as well. Do, do you like Johor as a theme? Not particularly. Um, it, it's, it's just another... Well, it's obviously a very rich part of Malaysia. I would say they have to get the causeway sorted out better. Um, but you talk to Singaporeans, and they're so scared of coming. To Malaysia, yeah. Right. If they say, oh, "I went to Malaysia, I didn't get mugged," I, 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 give, me, give me a medal, right? <laughs> still yeah, on like that, that huh? you know. Um, it, it really is. Yeah. It really so, is still on so, that. So, 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 there's a lot more that Malaysia could do to to exploit it. You've got, you've got, and I mean, Singapore is such a success. It, the economy of Singapore is larger than Malaysia's, which is nonsense. The place is smaller than Perlis, right? Um, so uh, that's a nice so perspective. It is actually, I've never it is. looked at it that yeah. way. We we did a check uh, yesterday because we had the Mantri Bazaar Perlis on. Uh, Singapore is around the same size, uh, slightly bigger than Perlis, but oh, still. Yeah. So Perlis, you have right. hope. Perlis, you have well, hope. You know, they yeah. reclaimed a lot of land. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. And um, what about markets like you know Philippines, Vietnam, Myanmar? Uh, those would have very big middle income uh, factors as well. Middle class uh, is coming into play. Are you going there? Um, we, we're always looking. We're always looking everywhere. Um, Sri Lanka is a place we've looked at a lot as well quite, quite recently. However, I think there's enough for the size of our funds. I mean, we're less than 100 million US dollars um, still where we are. that we, we can just find the value in, in Indonesia. Sri Lanka? That's, that's quite interesting. I mean, you're also, I mean the, you believe that the consumer side in Sri Lanka might, might boom? Well, without, well, I mean, tourism is booming, and tourism's a huge driver of the Singapore, uh, sorry, Sri Lanka economy. China's been building roads all over the place, building ports, building infrastructure, everything else. A lot of investment going into Sri Lanka. Um, Sri Lanka's sort of 20-something million people. A lot of people say Sri Lanka's a bit like Malaysia used to be. Right, there's rubber everywhere. There's mm-hmm. not much palm oil. It's multiracial. Yeah? We're two different religions. Yeah. I mean, the same kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, if Sri Lanka gets it right, then Sri Lanka could be a very good story. And also the other trend that's happening, of course, is... A lovely place to go and visit as well. Oh, yeah, I'd love to go there. Never never been there. Um, Company visits there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, the other trend that's happening is the low-cost travel. And of course, uh, we, we saw King Power in Thailand uh, taking a chunk of Thai AirAsia. Are you on this? Um, do, do you have a preponderance for smaller stocks rather than uh, perhaps bigger stocks like AirAsia? We have a preponderance for cheap stocks. Cheap and stocks. they tend to be the smallest one. Many... Oh. Wait a minute. Last time we were on, th- you were on the show. No. You said you liked Nestle. That's I not love Nestle, Nestle. That's but not we don't own it. Cheap. We don't own it. Okay. We don't okay. own it. No. Well, I think actually, relative relative to its um, power in the market, I think Nestle is good value. So there's a tip for you, listeners. Um, <laughs> and, and don't kill me if it, if it goes down. I don't think it will. Right. But um, no. But I think I think very small stocks are cheap. I'll tell you a story. Many many years ago, um, after the Bali bomb, I bought a company in. Um, Indonesia called Sona Topas, which is a duty-free operator, has the DFS franchise in Indonesia. Um, and I can't remember how much money I made on it, but I, the, the Bali bomb Lots. was what, 2001, 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I made about eight, eight, nine, ten times my money on it. I sold it. I couldn't put it in the fund. It was, it was $6 million market cap. It was too small for the fund even then. And that was the biggest, one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made. It should have gone in the fund. The moment I sold it, it just doubled. And it just keeps going up and up and up and up as tourism grows. Right. Um, low-cost travel means that Asians can go on holiday very cheaply and very easily. So you're trying to repair that mistake by looking at uh, Sri Lanka? Because of the well, we're not we're not necessarily <laughs> going to Sri Lanka right now. I'm just saying okay. it's a market. It's a market, it's a market we've at. looked at with some good, good I, companies. Yeah. I also get a sense that uh, you don't necessarily have to directly play into certain themes like the low cost travel because you say that when these guys travel, they would have to buy stuff and, and consume stuff, Absolutely stuff right. as well. I so mean, you're not you're not buying into you, Asia. You, you look, you know, this country is trying to get its tourism market going, right? So so what they're doing? They're giving visa free arrival to the Chinese tourists. Yeah. Right, because the Chinese have got money and they spend, spend, spend. Right, so you don't necessarily have to buy AirAsia. I and mean, you know, Padini will do well, Bonya will do well. All these consumer socks, Hourglass, etc., will all do well if, if lots of Chinese tourists come into the country. Bakute guys will do really well, right? Bakute guys will do really well. I want to see a listed Bakute stock. That would be the day. I want to buy into that stock. That's gold. That's gold. Okay, it's now uh, 9.55 a.m. That's all the time we have for the S&M show. Thank you so much. James Hay, the founder of the long-term value-focused Penguin Asia Fund. I'm Melissa Idris with Jules Julian Ng. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.